Good morning, everybody. I am not going to stand in the center in front of the PowerPoint. Um, I'm going to give you a better user experience, UX, by um, standing away from it. Um, the Hello? Is my hair too big? Hey, so uh, really quickly, um, great to be here. Um, and uh, I'm going to pray before anything else because I will forget to do that. My Bible study, any time I've been a part of a Bible study, they're always like, hey, don't we want to like pray? Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, so let me pray really quick. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Um, you're so good to us, and uh, you have always given us everything that we need to, um, to both see you, to understand you, and to believe. And uh, what a gift, what a gift that is. And so I'm just asking that you would speak to us this morning through your word, that um, you would set me aside, God, and that um, Jesus Christ, you'd be exalted. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so really quickly, um, I do want to point out, so uh, my parents-in-law, uh, Jay and Andrea Grimwood are here. And um, w just one thing that I wanted to say about them, um, and, and I think it's just kind of relevant to being in the college and young adult ministry. So when I was 26, I was wrapping up college, and um, I was dating Allie at the time, and uh, they were so loving and accepting of me, and um, that was great. I was a believer, um, faithfully trying to serve the Lord, but um, extremely off target. And uh, so, um, in love, uh, they both accepted me, but then they also uh, really kind of put the heat on once they saw that our relationship was uh, serious between Allie and I. Because um, they didn't want uh, their daughter marrying somebody that was just going to, like, lead her astray, right? And so um, they really put the heat on. It was a hard time because uh, I had a lot of uh, doctrinal issues <laughs> uh, growing up. I don't know how else to say it. Um, so they, uh, and so, I mean, having to let go of your paradigm of who you think God is and to... Um, but at the same time, to uh, have integrity before the Lord and not be like, hey, I'm just going to like let go of everything so that I can get the girl, right? I want to do what's right before the Lord. They really pushed me in that. Um, and then, uh, and that's a big part of why I'm a part of this community, because this church was, was planted out of what is now Graceway, Kansas City Baptist Temple at the time. Um, but they're a huge part in why I'm a part of this community. Um, and then... Uh, once that was settled uh, and we got married, uh, there came a point where I wasn't uh, providing well for my family. And uh, I was kind of chasing this music dream thing. And, uh, and there came a point where, uh, again, in love, uh, they kind of pulled me aside and just kind of laid out biblically, like, hey, this is, you know, this is where you need to be going. And they gave me a counsel on that. And uh, so, you know, I, I have, like, great parents, and uh, I'm so thankful for that, and I'm thankful that they're here, and, 
um, just to honor you guys. That, yeah, I know you've invested and you've impacted a lot of people um, that are a part of Kaya. So praise God for that. Um, it's nice to be surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Um, my favorite's that one with like the huge eyes in the top in the red shirt. I pray that she like pierces your soul. With that. Um, okay, so this is this is <laughs> this is what. Um, all right, so uh, this is my clickbait title. Um, I, I uh, thank Brandon for allowing me to. Um, teach on something that I've just been uh, thinking about this, this concept, I guess, for a while, this idea, and uh, Brandon gave me clearance of just like, hey, if you're going to teach in Kaya, you know, if, if this is an excuse for you to study this out a little bit, go for it. Um, so bear with me if, if I stumble through it a little bit, but, um, you know, I work with a lot of designers, website developers, and things like that, and um, there's just a lot of language that they speak um, that... Christianity is kind of foreign to, and so I've been kind of thinking about how to bridge those gaps. So, um, I, uh, so for instance, uh, Proverbs, they're actually like, a lot of them are like, hey, if you do this, this will happen, but if you don't do this, this will happen. And that's actually, a, that's the, very similar to programming language, okay? So, uh, JavaScript, if you press this key, this will happen if you don't, right? So, like, there's things that, you know, as a church, I guess we can be thinking about. Like, how can we communicate in ways that people, you know, identify without losing our spine? Um, so, this idea, uh, Jesus fails at UX. Um, what's this about? So, uh, let's, just go, let's just go into it first. Um, introduction, what the, what the deuce is UX? Okay. So, that stands for user experience. And I'm a user experience designer. Um, what that means, you guys are influenced by user experience designers all the time. Every time you pick up your phone, you're getting, ex- you're getting influenced by people that have methodically watched people use their products, see what's working, see what's not, and then change things to make sure that they're working better for you. So we're always getting pushed. We, we do the, like, put the user first. Don't make it about the business. And then, uh, like one example, so we give, um, we'll sit people down for user testing. I work at H&R Block, and we'll put an app in front of them that we're designing. And uh, the first thing that we'll say is, we're not testing you, we're testing the app. You can't do anything wrong. And we want to fail fast as a company so that we can learn how to be better, right? So, um, so that's user experience. Some great like, call-outs of user experience that are even outside of screens. So um, that ramp that you walk up uh, to get to this building. So many of you guys might not think about this, but for somebody that's in a wheelchair, um, that allows them to have access to this building that they wouldn't have. And so um, that's an ADA experience, um, accessibility, that a lot of us don't think about. Uh, bathrooms are really interesting for user experience because a lot of times... People don't think through things, and so like a lot of times you'll walk into a guy's bathroom, and there's a like a urinal without like a, any kind of like wall or divider, and then a, <laughs> and then the door will swing open, <laughs> and you're like exposed to the public, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, Midtown has um, these. Uh, in, I don't know if these are in the girls' bathrooms, but in the guys' bathrooms by the urinals, there's these little. Uh, 
I don't know what, like metal shelves that come down. So somebody was thinking, hey, guys, you know, what, is, what do they do when they come into the bathroom? Well, they're holding their Bible or their coffee. And so, you know, you've got to fold this thing down. It's got a spring on it. You've got to put your Bible on there. But if it's not a KJV wide margin, if it's some little dinky Bible, just throw it. it it's like the spring's too strong. So, um, <laughs> so those, those are the types. Yeah, so that's user experience. That's the kind of stuff that I think about, like, for work and whatnot. Um, but this is kind of where I'm going with all this. Okay, so we're going to be in John 6. So if you guys want to open up there, John 6. Now, um, the Bible studies, uh, th- part of the reason why I felt like this was a good timing, um, I know a lot of the Bible studies are in John. How many Bible studies have gone past John 6? How many are still, like, John 6 is on the horizon? Okay, Eric, get your hand up higher. Um, <laughs> All right, so hopefully we're not, like, doing too much of a spoiler alert or anything like that for anybody else that's going to be studying it. But let's just read a passage really quick. Um, John 6, uh, 53. So verse 53 says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, now he's talking to Jews, okay? says, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat this, the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Okay, so we're going to stop there. So this was kind of the question I've just been thinking about, okay? So why, okay, so Jesus is talking to Jews who were commanded in the law to not eat, like, raw animals, to not eat their blood, okay? And so Jesus is talking to these people that are trying to follow, like, they're trying to follow him. This is a big multitude, and we'll get a little bit more into the context. But he says this weird passage, Okay? This would be a stumbling block. <laughs> but even if you're not a Jew, and you were to read this, this seems more like a Halloween passage, or like some kind of like zombie apocalypse, than um, Jesus trying to, in, in an effective way, get people to follow him, to reach critical mass. And so it's like, why was Jesus doing this? I, I think that's really just kind of what I've been wondering, is like, why is Jesus making it so hard, okay? So what we're going to find out, John 6 shows us that Jesus' divine nature was revealed to the, Jew, the Jews through miracles, but most of the witnesses to these miracles, they still chose not to believe, okay? So we're going to get into that, but that's kind of where we're headed. So next slide. Okay, so if you guys, could, let's get a little context now for this passage. So John 6 Go to verse 2. Okay. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Okay. So there's a bunch of people that are starting to follow Jesus and his disciples. And if you can go to the next slide. So what were those miracles that they saw that compelled them to follow? Okay. So these were um, the three that I identified, um, I believe this is it, that's mentioned prior to this. Um, so the first one, 
turning water into wine. We saw that in John 2. And then the second one, healing the nobleman's son, John 4. And then three, Jesus healing the crippled man at the Jerusalem pool. So this was a big deal. So this, this prophet named Jesus, um, this uh, you know, very simple man, maybe not educated like the religious leaders, he's doing miracles and they're starting to be like talking about it, right? And so this is what verse 2 is talking about. So this great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Okay, so we're going to just keep on reading. We're going to read verses 3 through 14. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. That's an important detail. The Passover, where God was going to bring judgment on Egypt, and if they would take the blood of a lamb and put it on their doorpost, they would escape death. That's the Passover, okay? And it's calling out that the Passover is near. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Okay, so if any of you guys have been to the fall festival that we do, or like trunk or treat, um, I don't know, maybe we see like 400 people. So um, imagine like we forgot to prepare the food, and it's like, okay, what do we got? And we got five barley loaves, two fish. It's not going to feed that, it's not going to, it's not going to do well for trunk or treat. And that's like three or 400 people, all right? We're talking about 5,000 men plus women and children. This is a lot of people. And uh, all there is is there's this lad, and he has five barley loaves and two small fish, okay? And Jesus said, make the man sit down. All right, now I want to point out just about these, uh, these barley loaves and the two small fish. So um, barley... The first mention of barley comes out of Exodus 9.31, and you guys don't have to turn there. But I think what's significant just about this little detail about barley is that um, when there was a plague, now remember, this Passover is near, okay? There There was a plague of hail coming for the Egyptians. And it says this very interesting detail about the hail. It says, and the flax and the barley was smitten. So this barley was smitten. That same word smitten is used throughout the Bible talking about the Messiah being broken. For the barley was in the ear and the flax was bold, whatever, whatever that means. Um, but uh, what you find out is um, that the Feast of Unleavened Bread, like that barley, um, that's what they used, right? And this is what it says in Exodus thirty four eighteen. The feast of unleavened bread shalt thou keep. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, as I commanded thee in the time of the month Abib. For the month Abib thou camest out of Egypt. Okay, so God was doing these plagues, judging sin. And the children of Israel were saved 
out of this judgment, this wrath. And these, this bread that this little boy has, Jesus is about to feed it to these people. Jesus is the bread of life. He was smitten just like that barley was by the judgment of God so that the children of Israel could escape out of slavery so that they could find new life. Okay, So there's a picture there of what's happening, what Jesus is about to feed them. And Jesus said, verse 10, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And they likewise the fish of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Okay, so Jesus multiplied this very insignificant amount of food. And you guys, God has given us, we're that little boy. God has given us these, these little talents that we have, whatever it be. And we're just there. But he, the boy was there. He was available. And Jesus was able to take it, okay? And he was able to multiply it and use it. And in the same way, that bread, how can just, how can just a, little, a little bread satisfy so many people? And I would just point to Christ and say, how can one man satisfy the wrath of God over sin? And yet, that one man is sufficient to satisfy the wrath of sin because of his perfectness. So, what we're seeing here is that Jesus is taking care of these people's practical need. And yet, there's a picture going on of something deeper. All right. So, um, this is what we're going to... So, if you look at verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Okay? So, they were looking for this prophet, this somebody other than Moses that was going to come and bring life. Okay? So we see here that from those miracles, or from the miracle that they saw, that these Jews, this multitude, they had divine revelation. They saw it, okay? Now what we're going to see is that God has done his part. God has revealed to them who he is in the person of Jesus Christ. But now we're going to see the Jews struggle over this revelation, and so if we can go to the next slide, um, I learned this from Eric. Hey, just give the outline up front, let them write it down, then they can like, you know, toss it and just listen. No. Um, so this is what we're going to talk about. So, okay, so all of us receive revelation of Christ. But what we need to be careful about is that we can have a faulty response to that revelation. 
Okay, so these are what, are what we're going to look at. So um, the first one is forcing our will on God. Uh, the second one is prioritizing the physical over the spiritual. The third one, delaying faith through ultimatums. Four, giving lip service to worship and obedience. And then five, murmuring. We'll hit these. Are we good? You want people writing them down? All right, let's do it. Next one. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll forward it to you, Eric. Um, all right, forcing our will on God. So let's go to verse 15. When Jesus, therefore, perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And what we see here is just, we all have uh, our own will. And so often, uh, we think we know what's best. We don't have the patience to see God's timing. And so we, we want to we see God do what we think is, is right. And uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a good picture of this in 1 Samuel 8.5. Again, you guys don't have to turn there, uh, but you can write that down as a reference. Nation of Israel, they're looking around them. Man, all these other nations, they got a king. We don't have a king. God's our king, but he, you know, he's not... He's not, like, providing these cool chariots and, and things like that. So, um, God, we want a king. And uh, so God gave them the desire of their heart. And uh, how did that work out for them? Not good at all. Not good at all. Um, a lot of death, a lot of schisms, um, a very painful pathway. And uh, we too often do the same thing. Um, one of the things I want you guys to see in all this is that um, we're a lot like Israel. And a lot of times we'll have the same responses that are shown in the Old Testament. We'll have those even as New Testament believers. All right? It is a different dispensation, but um, there's no new thing under the sun. What has been, that will be. right? So, um, so in this case, uh, the effect is that when we force our will on God... It drives out God's kingdom from our lives. And so you see here in verse 15 that Jesus departs from them because they were going to make him a king by force. Okay? So, key point number one. When God gives divine revelation, we must remain humble and submitted to God's will to maintain that fellowship. Isaiah 66, 1 through 2. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye will build unto me? And where is the place at my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Is taking God and... Making, or taking Jesus and making him king by force? Is that trembling at his word? So I just, uh, you know, I asked this of myself and I asked this of you guys. Um, are you forcing God's hand and imposing your will on him? This could, this could be in relationships, could be in a job, a career, area of ministry, 
pursuit of a dream. So um, we need to be careful that we're not, uh, we're not defining what God's voice is, and that's actually our heart's desire, and it's leading us astray. So let's keep on moving. All right, verses uh, 25 through 27. Prioritizing the physical over the spiritual. Okay, so just a little backstory. So um, after Jesus departed, him and his disciples um, went on a boat, except Jesus walked on water to get to that boat. And then they, they basically crossed the Sea of Galilee. And then the multitude was like, where's Jesus? So they all hopped on boats. I'm not sure how that worked with 5,000, um, but I trust that what the Bible is saying is true. Um, but yeah, so they, the multitude crosses the Sea of Galilee, and verse 25 starts, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus totally ignores that question and says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth into everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. We just went through, or we're in the time of prayer and fasting. You know, that, that is a consecration where we are laboring after the meat that, that leads to everlasting life. And that when we're seeking God and we're, we're putting aside the, the desires of our flesh, our hunger, we are seeking first the kingdom of God and saying, that is the most important thing. That is the ultimate thing. That's what my life is about. It's not about going after food, which in three hours I will be hungry again. And uh, this is what this passage is getting at. So um, this is the effect when we prioritize the physical over the spiritual, is that we miss participation in the kingdom work. Okay? So um, John 4, uh, Jesus is ministering to a woman at the well. He's uh, telling her things that only God could know. And uh, we're his disciples. They're out at a store buying meat. <laughs> and then they come back and they're like, hey, Jesus, like, you need to eat meat. And he's like, my meat is to do God's will. They totally missed that whole conversation. And they missed him reaching out to a woman that was despised by their culture and see God minister to somebody that was, in their minds, a half-breed. Um, what, a, what a beautiful thing that they missed because they were shopping. Um, I don't want to be too hard on them, but because um, I do the same thing every day. Um, but that's something to be mindful of. And I think I would just uh, also just point out, so Jesus reveals their heart in verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because you did eat the meat you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Compare this with verse 2. A great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them. Their motivation has changed. 
They had divine revelation. Okay, first they're following him because they hear about these miracles. But then, once they experience God and they see, ah, this is the prophet, this is who we've been waiting for, and he's filled our bellies, he's blessed us, we were hungry and he fed us till we were full, all of a sudden, they have gotten focused on getting more food, more meat at the store, like the disciples. So, key point number two, the provision of God in your life is meant to fuel kingdom work. Things like evangelism, missions, discipleship, servanthood. Not the pursuit of more provision. And let me read it again without those parentheses. Uh, the provision of God in your life is meant to fuel kingdom work, not, to pursue, not the pursuit of more provision. And uh, guys, I'm guilty of this. So... Um, this yeah, I mean, I'll be the first one to just confess that to you. That um, you know, God has provided for my every need and for my family's need. I'm so thankful for that. And it's so easy to get locked in on that, and then to trick yourself into thinking, well, you know, maybe how I can help the kingdom of God is by making more money, um, and I can you know empower other people to go and whatnot. And that's okay. I mean, if for, if people make money and they can do that. That's great. God can use that. But if that is an excuse to not obey in evangelism, if that's, not, if that, if that's used as an, as an excuse to not be in a discipleship relationship, whether that's giving or, or, or receiving, um, if you're using that as a way to sit on the bench, um, you're, you are taking God's blessing in your life and you're totally missing why he was giving that to you in the first place. So what I want us to reflect on, what pursuits in life are keeping you from participating in evangelism, discipleship, ministry, worship, and prayer? All right, next one. Verses 28 through 33. Delaying faith through ultimatums. And I think this is probably where we're going to camp out the most and maybe not get through the rest of the sermon. But um, I think this one's really important. Verses 28 through 33. Okay. So remember, Jesus said, labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for the, one, for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Then they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Seems like a good question, right? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. What a contradiction. That's the work of God. All you have to do is believe. Then they said, therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Because we just forgot that you fed us yesterday (laughs) with five loaves of bread and two fish. Unbelievable question. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Me, right? For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. All right, you guys. So this one's huge. Um, A lot of times uh, God has done miracles in our life. Again, these people had just been provided for miraculously, and they saw that God, or that Jesus, was the prophet that they were waiting for, the Messiah. A day later, they're demanding God, they're demanding Jesus, to do a miracle so that they can believe. All right? That's all they had to do was believe. And so often, we will justify not obeying the Lord by waiting for a sign. I do this all the time with evangelism. I'm waiting for that, like, oh, it was a divine appointment. I'm waiting for that divine appointment, okay? And what God has commanded us to do is to warn every man. That's your sign. That's your, that is your divine appointment. Every man. And yet I'm waiting for a sign, that, that easy conversation where things naturally go in, um, to talking about Jesus. And when I wait for that, the door never opens. And, um, yeah, that's, like, that's a problem. And, uh, you know, for the non-believer, um, that, isn't that often the case of, hey, God, you know, if you will just, sh- if you will just show yourself, if you'll just, like, poof, uh, do some kind of rain hail down right now, um, I will believe. And, I would just, you know, for anybody that's kind of feeling that right now, um, I get it because there's so much, like, like God is spirit. And so, like, yes, we can't, like, just call him and, like, he shows up like a genie or something like that. But I also just want to challenge you that God has done miracles in your life that you are blind to in the same way that these Jews forgot a day later that Jesus had just provided for them. The fact that we are on this earth and that we have intelligence. Um, I use Siri, and she is an idiot. <laughs> and my kids, uh, I mean, they crack up at it. But, I mean, I'll ask her to, like, play a song that's on my iPhone, and she'll just, like, go off the deep end, okay? <laughs> Thousands of people have been working on that for years, programming. Like, and that's what they've come up with? There is no way that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and there is no way that cosmic dust and physics came together, and then all of a sudden, like, just give it time, just give it billions of years, give it millions of years, and then this happens. There's no way. There's intentionality in that. Beyond that, sustainability, that is a miracle in your life. Early on in Genesis, like God declares when he's creating things that the seed will reproduce after itself and make its own kind. And there is not a robot that's been created yet that can just like start building it. Like That'll come. We'll figure it out, I'm sure. But like again, that takes humans doing millions of dollars worth of work to get to that type of thing. 
And I'm saying that God has provided for humanity through the miracle of seeds, through the miracles of animals and livestock being able to re- reproduce after their kind. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. That is a miracle. But I'll tell you the third miracle that you need to be most aware of, and that is the miracle of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, um, he came, he was a man, you know, that's what we're reading about. And we, as humanity, because of our sin, have been separated from God. Our sin separates us, and our sin keeps us from being in the presence of a perfect God. And Jesus came and lived a sinless, perfect life, and we receive wrath and judgment for our sin, and Jesus took that upon himself. He died, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again so that we could have fellowship again with the Father. That is a miracle, and if that was the only miracle that God did in our life, that would be enough. And yet God does so much more every day. Can I get a witness on that? So um, this is something that like, you've got to gra- grapple with because um, if you don't, if, if you, like these Jews, um, choose to forget the miracles of life, the miracle of sustainability, and the miracle of the finished work of Christ, if you just like turn off your mind so that you don't have to uh, submit to God, there is a consequence for that. And that consequence is damnation, which is not a popular thing to talk about, but the reality of that is Never more <laughs> true. Um, it, this, is, this is what you need to be wrestling with. Key point number three. An increase in miracles will not increase your faith. God has given you everything you need for faith through his word. An increase in miracles will not increase your faith. God has given you everything you need for faith through his word. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No number of miracles in your life will be enough where you'll finally be like, you know what, I got enough faith. Um, We're seeing it here. The Jews, they had the revelation. Jesus provided for them. And yet, as soon as they're actually called to action, to, to, true, like to believe on the Lord. Um, they, they, so, uh, they so quickly f- forget what Jesus had just done. But check it out. This happens throughout the Bible. Um, the children of Israel, they're in Egypt. They're slaves. God starts doing crazy things, like raining down frogs from the sky. Uh, plagues, I mean... Ten different plagues. He pulls them out of slavery, and they're in the wilderness, and there is bread. Just like we just read, where Jesus is providing for There's bread that's like raining down from heaven every day and showing up. It's providing for them. 
He's going to take them into the promised land. And how quickly they forget those miracles that they witnessed. And they start accusing God and wanting to go back into slavery. And that's, that, that's, that's the crux of the matter, is that you actually love your slavery. And you would rather have that than a relationship with God. We're so much like Israel. Lazarus, uh, so Luke 16, uh, 26 through 31, um, Jesus is telling this story about a, a beggar named Lazarus dying. And uh, you know what? Let's just turn there. Luke 16. Twenty-six to 31. So basically, uh, two people die. Rich man and a beggar. Beggar's Lazarus. The rich man's being tormented in hell. Lazarus is being protected. He's in this, like, Abraham's bosom. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> Long conversation. Uh, but um, basically, the guy, the guy's like, the guy, the rich man that's being tormented in hell, he's like, I got to get out of here. Like, send me some water for relief. And there's, there's like a chasm. And they're like, we can't get you water. And so this is what he says, okay? And he said unto them, thy brother has come. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not. Nah, I'm in the wrong one. Sorry. Luke 16 still. Um, I was looking at Luke 15. That was anticlimactic. Okay. Um, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from, from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Okay, so the rich guy, so basically there's a chasm, they, this rich guy that's being tormented can't be helped. He says, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. So like basically resurrect this beggar named Lazarus, like, send him back to, to, to life. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So he's saying, like, resurrect this man, send him back, and let him be a warning to my brothers, because I don't want my brothers to go through what I'm going through. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. An increase in miracles will not increase your faith. God has given you everything you need for faith through his word. King Hezekiah, right after, uh, he's about to die. He begs God to, to relieve him, or to save him. So God does. He gives him an, another 15 years. And then he says, uh, God gives him instructions through Isaiah to go to the temple th- in three days. And uh, Hezekiah, okay, Hezekiah was just healed, and he says, what sign showest thou to me that I should go up into the temple in three days? Are you guys kind of, like, are you seeing that pattern? 
And we so often do that. Um, as believers, as non-believers, it's like, God, what sign are you going to give me? And then I'll, I'll blit. And, and what we're doing is we're really making excuses. And so I think I'll stop there. Um, in terms of just kind of answering that initial question of, like, why, why would Jesus be so cryptic? Um, I'll, I'll just give you uh, maybe some passages for homework because you guys need homework because you don't have enough stuff to do right now. Um, so uh, if we go to slide 17, maybe we can just read this one passage and this will. Um, but where two shall, so Jesus is talking. He says, but where two shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and you have not danced. They're being happy and they're not joining in the dance. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he hath a devil. And the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, Behold a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. 11, uh, Matthew eleven twenty-five through 27. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. We say, God, okay, so in this case, God sends John the Baptist, and he's saying, repent. He's super extreme. He's like in the wilderness, weird dude. And they're calling him out, and they're just, they're, they justify not listening to him and saying, he has a devil. He's all weird. You know, he's radical. And then Jesus is sent to the people and does the opposite. He's not fasting. He's actually like, like John the Baptist and eating weird locusts and things like that. He is, he's, he's actually sitting down with sinners, drinking and eating. And you see that they have an excuse for that too. God has spoken to each one of us. Whether you're a believer or non-believer, God has spoken to you. And are you going to make an excuse for why it's not God that's speaking? And that's what I want to leave you with. Um, it's that God does speak, and he's not cryptic, but we cover our ears, and we don't want to hear it. So your homework, um, Matthew 13, 9 through 17... You know, do I got two more minutes? Um, let me just read these to you. Um, I'll just read these little passages from it. So Matthew 13, 9 through 17, it just says here, um, I'm not, you don't have to turn there. By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes that they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. We have 
covered our ears. We have covered our eyes. We don't want to hear what God has to say. In Psalm 78, Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven. Acts 28, Paul's in prison, close to being executed. Uh, He's about to get executed by the Roman Empire. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And if you don't know God, if you don't believe in God, the Bible says something um, really interesting. Uh, Jesus says in, uh, earlier in John, he says, um, unless ye be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, if you're born colorblind, you don't know that you're colorblind until, like, you take a test. And it's told to you that you're colorblind because your reality has always been. And each one of us was born with this colorblindness of spirituality. And it's always been. Like, we just, God's not there. Um, And Jesus says, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so I'm just begging you that you will humble yourself before the Lord if you don't believe in God. And ask for help. Ask for help to see. Be like that blind man that just cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he was healed. That's all you have to do is ask for help. And God will... God will provide it. He always does. Um, and for the believer, I, you know, for, for myself included, um, let's not be waiting for another miracle um, in our life, the, the next step in life, that, that, that one thing that we're waiting for, um, for life to really start, um, to, to be obedient to the Lord. So um, let me pray here can't thank you enough, um, Jesus, for your revelation, uh, for just showing yourself. And um, we are satisfied in you. You have filled us up. Um, You have provided for our physical needs, but so much more importantly, you have provided for our spiritual needs. And um, we worship you and just pray that um, we would be like your disciples in John 6, that after this whole conversation when the Jews left because they were offended by you, um, Peter said, Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Just pray that that would be um, our heart's cry. In Jesus' name, amen.